This episode was recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Our first episode series is all about tourism in the state of Mississippi, getting out, going places, and the economic impact that it holds for our state. Joining me in studio as we talk to a series of guests is MWB Creative Director and MWB Studios Executive Producer, Mark Leffler, and we're going to be talking with some people who know how to help visitors, and locals too, indulge their wanderlust across our state and find innovative ways to entice more to come see, explore, and discover the magnificent wonders of traveling and tourism. We'll be talking about what tourism means for our economy. Here in Mississippi, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, employing over 120,000 people and bringing more than 20 million visitors in-state every year. It cannot be overstated what a true economic driver tourism and hospitality are for the hospitality state. Our thanks to Marlo Dorsey for joining us in studio this morning. She is the former chief marketing officer for the Mississippi Development Authority, where she oversaw both economic development and tourism marketing efforts for the state of Mississippi. And she is now the executive director for Visit Hattiesburg, as well as the vice chairman of the Mississippi Tourism Association. That's quite the resume. Marlo, thank you for joining us this morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys this morning. So um, I wish that I could say that it was sunny driving up from Hattiesburg. It was not, but it's nice to see some progress is happening on 49 North coming up. So glad to be with you guys this morning. Yeah, thanks. When we edit this podcast, we'll make it sunny. There we go. We'll, we'll make it sunny. I mean, we're all about good weather, so why not, right? Just vis- just envision, you know, blue skies and lots of rays of sunshine. There we go. Marlo, if you could... Uh, there have been very few people that have probably been as intimately involved in Mississippi tourism over the past decade, probably nobody more so than than yourself. Could you give us kind of a, a 30,000 foot view of what's going on with Mississippi's tourism marketing efforts? Absolutely. If we think back to the wise words of William Faulkner, we know he said that if, to first understand the world, you must understand a place like Mississippi. And we all know those of us that live in Mississippi and those of us that raise our our families here and have jobs here, we know what a great place Mississippi really is. We look at the beauty of our state. Uh, we look at the talent that we have here, all the opportunities that we have. And it's, it's an awesome place. I mean, I know we can all agree with that. What we haven't really been able to do a good job of for the state is really tell Mississippi's story. You know, she has such a beautiful story. Her past, of, co- of course, is filled with a lot of scars and we know that. But that said, it is a new day. And we are just boldly moving ahead. And now, um, due to recent things that we've had in the legislature with tourism funding, we now finally have the opportunity to tell Mississippi's story to the world. And so through tourism, we always say that tourism is the front door of your community and economic development is the backbone. So as we really try to promote our state and all the different offerings that we have all the way from the Delta up to, you know, the, the top where, where, where it trickles down from Memphis all the way down to the coast. So many tremendous stories that we have to share with people to really bring them here. And we know, um, based upon the recent bicentennial campaign uh, that we had celebrating Mississippi's 200th anniversary as a state, we 
have really been on an upward track of the amount of visitors that we're bringing in. And so we have a great product. So now it's time for us to double down, no pun intended, and make sure that we are capitalizing on all the beauty that our state has so that we can welcome visitors from all over the world, um, any, if, you know, to be able to just really enjoy all the great things that we have here. I overheard you tell someone not long ago that that tourism is actually the purest form of economic development. Can you kind of elaborate on that? So many people don't realize, but tourism, um, just from a job number standpoint, is the fourth largest industry in the state of Mississippi. And that's really compelling. I don't know about you guys, but when I was a college student, my first you know, job was in tourism. I mean, if you are in the restaurant business, if you are you know, greeting people at something, you're working a festival or event, you're dipping your toe in the world of tourism. And so many of us got our start in tourism, you know, and here I am 25 years later, and I'm staying. <laughs> so, um, but it certainly is. And what I mean by that, Tim, is, you know, when you think about it, when people come to a community, they take money out of their pockets, if that's in the form of cash, check, credit card, Venmo, Apple Pay, whatever that is, and they infuse it in that local economy. So your shops, your local dining establishments, your unique shopping opportunities, your tourism attractions, those people are paying to be able to do those things. But guess what? They leave. You don't have to educate them. You don't have to provide health care to them. Not necessarily. We hope that there's no accidents, of course. But you're not having to pay the overhead to sustain them on a daily basis. And so when we're talking about tourism, we're thinking about all these people that have disposable income that are coming to have a good time and give you their money while they're doing it. And so if we can wrap our brains around that and really do a good job of destination building and providing people with great ways to have fun, then we're really on to something. I'm looking at some of these statistics that you brought with you um, on behalf of the Mississippi Tourism Association. And this number sticks out to me, 122 1,850 jobs in Mississippi are tourism supported, which is 11% of the workforce. Isn't that just tremendous? That's, that's tremendous. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Well, you know, a lot of people really look at the tourism industry and they think, okay, these are the people that put on the festivals. These are the people, you know, that make sure, you know, the bar is full. These are the people that make sure, you know, the museums have the things they need. But behind the scenes, tourism is a lot about data analysis, making sure that you are doing everything that you need to do to provide the facts ahead of time to people so that you not only fulfill their expectations, but also exceed them. You know, so it's about storytelling. But it's also about making sure that you're delivering a positive result to them time and time again, because we all know a repeat customer is much easier to keep than it is to try to go after and always get that new business. Absolutely. How are we getting those repeat customers? Well, interestingly enough, a lot of studies have been done and, and unfortunately, you know, Mississippi gets, you know, um, you know, a bad rap in my opinion on what people in the outside world see and think about Mississippi a lot of times. You know, we all know that people think, you know, we are uneducated and barefoot a lot of times on that. And it's hurtful, you know, to many of us who have really tried to pour our heart and soul into really sharing Mississippi's story. And so what we have learned through a lot of our visitor intercept surveys, when we ask people if they come, how did, how was their experience? It far exceeds their expectations. So our job 
is to get them here. And once we can get them here and deliver on that promise, which we do a great job of, then it's so much easier for us to get them back. And you mentioned that um, due to some some legis- some legislation that has gone through recently that it looks like we're now going to have the resources that really haven't been available to us before to help tell that story. That's right, Tim. So last year in the legislative session, you know, I have to certainly give kudos to the Mississippi Tourism Association for all the work that they've done behind the scenes over the years to really get us to where we were last year to be able to have, you know, all the information that we need to tell a compelling story to our legislators, you know, and ultimately our lieutenant governor and governor on the value of tourism. And what I mean by that is more than $6.7 billion were spent in Mississippi last year. So what does that mean for the state? Well, that means that $675 million in taxes were generated from that money. So when people look at tourism, it is an economic driver. It is a plus to the economy. It adds dollars to our bottom line. It puts money in the general fund so that we then have a way to pay for health care, teachers, you know, through education, our, you know, public safety through our police officers, our firemen. And when people look at it in those terms, they realize you put a dollar in, you get more than a dollar out. So we are not a bet. We are a definite. We are an investment. And that is just such a tremendous point that we can't continue to drive home enough. I think it's like, is it a, is it a six to one return on tourism dollars spent versus revenue coming back, something like that? So overall, overall, it's going to be different throughout various pockets of the state, but it can be anywhere from six to 18 to one on what that return on investment is. And so just to give you an idea, last year in the legislature, they were able to pass reform legislation for tourism advertising, where we now, we are situated um, around our contiguous states. So we've got Louisiana, we have Arkansas, we have Alabama, we've got Tennessee, you know, we've got all these states that are doing all these wonderful things. And when we talk about those states, we can think about great communities that are there that we love to go to. Well, their advertising budget might be anywhere from eight to $11 million a year for marketing what they have to potential visitors. Well, for Mississippi, we've been in the $2 million range for so long. So just imagine if you were trying to be competitive, which we are, you know, people, I don't know about you guys, but I only have like a certain amount of money that I can spend every month. I mean, y'all might have, you know, wads of cash laying around to where, you know, you can just spend whatever you want. But if you're competing for people's dollars and you want them to visit you as a destination, then you have to have your A game in place so that you can be competitive with all the other states. So finally, we are now going to be able to be on equal footing. And we all know that Mississippi has the best story to tell. So if we can have the same access to resources, the same dollar amount, and we have a chance now to finally tell our story, just imagine the amount of people that we're going to be able to see coming to Mississippi in the next few years. And I think when you when you talk in terms of real economic impact, it it it, it kind of gets away from that narrative of, oh, well, tourism is nice, but let's put that on the back burner because do do we really want to do we really want to give up six hundred and seventy five million dollars in state and local taxes? I, I don't think so. That's that's huge. So it's 
it, it needs to be, and I think it is now becoming priority versus kind of a supplemental ancillary. We'll think about that maybe. And, and that's such a great point, Tim. And if you really think about it, we as a state are, it's the, it's the twenties. So here we are looking at 2020. Let's go back to the 1920s and think about what such a great time that was in our country. It was the roaring twenties. Think about all the growth and development. Think about industry. Think about all the many things that our country was able to really do and have. We fast forward now a hundred years later, and it's going to be the roaring twenties in the state of Mississippi. It really will. Our uh, this is going to be a tremendous decade for us, but we can't just talk about it. We have to do it. We have to take and we have to put action to what our goals are, and we have to really show and deliver the results. So, thanks to the legislature, thanks to the Mississippi Tourism Association, this year um, the the model that we have in place is a ramped up model. So, what I mean by that is. Every time someone goes to a restaurant or a hotel in the state of Mississippi, we all pay taxes. We know that. So the the tax dollars that go to the state of Mississippi, every time you go to a hotel or a restaurant, they're going to take 1% of that money. So it's not a new tax. We're not talking about a new tax. They're going to take 1% of that money and they're going to put it in a fund for special advertising for the state. Next year, it's going to be 2%. Year three, it'll be 3%, and then it'll cap off at 3%. So when they run all the numbers and based upon what all of that looks like, we'll have about $4 million this year, $8 million next year, approximately $12 million in year three. So we are going to be able to stay in that. It's perpetuity. So what that means is this legislation is not going to go away. We'll gradually ramp up and then we'll have what we hope, you know, anywhere from 10 to $14 million, you know, by year three and have that forever to be able to really capitalize on telling Mississippi's story. So it's not, it's not a new tax. It's not a new tax. I didn't realize that. No, it's not a new tax. So we will not raise your taxes. <laughs> so it is not a new tax. And, you know, if you, if you, if you look at the sentiment of, you know, the legislature and really going into an election year, it really had to make sense to everyone to be able to see. But when you look at the numbers, we know, again, tourism is an economic driver. It is a genera- it is a revenue generator for the state. And so how do we take that and make more on it, knowing that we've got a guaranteed rate of return? So when we shared the uh, marketing campaign with, uh, you know, now Governor Tate Reeves and many other legislators at the time and showed them the results of all the people touched with positive things about the state sharing all of our great museums, sharing all of our wonderful outdoor recreational activities, our music, our food, um, you know, the gaming industry, showing all those different things to people and showing how hotel bookings went up and our overall dollars went up. It really provided them with the hard evidence that was factual to make an investment in this for the future of the state. And now we have a level playing field, or we will, and we have a better story. So what are some of the, what, what are the stories that you want to be able to tell now that, that, that haven't been getting out there? 
Well, that's a really good point. Um, in visiting um, with Visit Mississippi and a lot of the leadership that's there and just visiting with various other um, tourism professionals throughout the state, we've seen a tremendous increase in the number of international visitors that we have. And so, you know, if you think about when you want to go to, if you're booking a European vacation, okay, or you're booking, you know, a vacation to Asia, you really want to see the history and the authentic experience of that community, that place, that region. And so what I believe our tourism professionals throughout the state have done a great job of is building our asset inventory to be able to tell that story. So if you go to Cleveland, Mississippi, and you see the Grammy Museum, you know, and our friend Kelly Davis, who's the tourism director there in Cleveland, you know, she she works so diligently to try to present such a compelling story, you know, to that international visitor. You go all the way through the Delta, and I can just tell you from Greenwood to Greenville, you know, to Indianola, all the wonderful things that people want to see. They want to experience the authentic. They want to understand, you know, how the story developed. And we've done a really good job of that in a lot of different parts of the state. And so a few years ago, when we did a tourism competitiveness study and really did a snapshot of what the state had, we knew that at the time we had a lot of great stories to tell, but we didn't have the product necessarily to back it up. So we really have to give kudos to a lot of our local communities, our legislators, our leaders on really developing more product for the state to be able to tell that story. I mean, just look at the beautiful museums that you have here in Jackson now with the Civil Rights Museum, the Mississippi History Museum, world class. You could be anywhere in the world and be standing inside that museum and be impressed. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's talk about one of those communities, local communities in specific that you referred to, and that would be your own of Hattiesburg. Whoop, whoop. You uh, you oversaw a pretty significant um, brand evolution for for the city of Hattiesburg, which which I, I, I think now it is it's it's a more youthful brand. I think it aligns better with the actual um quality of life of the community and some of the hospitality assets that are there. What, uh, what were your thoughts on evolving what Hattiesburg tourism looked like to the outside world? I'm, I'm really so glad that you asked that question. So, you know, your brand needs to be a promise to the people that you share it with. And Hattiesburg is a two university town. So two universities in 1929, the Sanger Theater opened in downtown Hattiesburg, and it was adjacent to a, a great railway system that came through Mobile, it came through Meridian, it came through New Orleans. And so if you can just envision all of the people that were coming to Hattiesburg, they were coming because Hattiesburg was an epicenter for culture. So it was a natural melting pot where diversity was celebrated, where the arts were celebrated. So it is built, while it is built upon the rail and timber industries, it was also a place where a lot of people who didn't have a home came and stayed. And so here we are a hundred years later and Hattiesburg is an extremely diverse community. It's a progressive community. And also interestingly enough, Tam, you'll like this. It's also densely millennial. And so when we take a snapshot of the Southeastern United States, those 13 states, 
Hattiesburg has the highest density and millennial population of any city in 13 states. Okay, so Greenville, um, which we all know is a great place in South Carolina, we're neck and neck with them. So they were they were they were at the top and then we were at the top. So if if you think about it, we have a great culture. We have a lot of live music. We have two wonderful programs at both of our universities, USM, University of Southern Mississippi and William Carey University with great, you know, um, official schools of music. We also have, um, you know, a tremendous amount of millennials that are there. So you can imagine the natural bleed over effect that happens in our community. You're going to have live music on any given night. Okay. So you have a young vibe. You have beautiful outdoor opportunities with the Longleaf Trace, with our waterways and those things. Not to mention, we've got a few people in Hattiesburg that can prepare a really good meal. You know, um, Robert St. John, all of his restaurants are there. Katie Dixon, you know, we've got great up and coming chefs and Josh Casper at the Depot Kitchen and Market. I mean, I could go on and on. Ron Savelle, you know, there are so many wonderful things that we have. So we had to take all of those assets and really look at who are we? Let's tell that story. And so when we worked on um, launching a new website, new marketing materials, through digital efforts, our videos, we really tried to, to write that and convey that in such a way that it was that young vibe. You're a baby boomer with extra money in your pocket. Great. Come on down. We'd love to have you. You want to feel young, carefree, listen to great music, sit outside on a beautiful, you know, open green space and, you know, drink a craft beer and have a wonderful, you know, um, you know, food item to go along with it. Yes, please. Hattiesburg is your destination. And so what we saw from that, Tim, when we redid the website and when we redid all of our assets that went with it is we just saw such a tremendous spike in the amount of people that were coming to a lot of those places. And so it's nice to be able to tell the true story of who you are. And then when they get there, when all those 2.2 million visitors that came to Hattiesburg last year got there, we delivered on that brand promise. In my mind, Hattiesburg is really synonymous with creativity, just kind of the, the, the spirit and vibrancy that is creativity. And I, I think some of that probably bleeds over from the colleges that are there, but it's, it is one of the few communities in the state that that's actually growing a younger population versus losing a younger population, I think. And that, that's really interesting. And I know that you've been a, a big champion and proponent of, you know, um, keeping or attracting and retaining young talent in the state. And, you know, we kind of go back to having a high millennial population in Hattiesburg. Well, what we're seeing throughout the country, I mean, let's just talk about Austin, Texas for just a moment. Yep. Okay. Let's talk about Nashville. These communities are bursting at the seams. Okay. So why are they bursting at the seams? There's a lot of things going on right there. They're operating not in silos. They're operating collaboratively, but they get it. Here's what they get. The race for talent is not chasing smokestacks. It's not putting that big factory out in what might have been a cow pasture and hoping that you have the workforce to back it up. Now, Mississippi has a great community college system. Absolutely adore it and love it. Worked in it for seven years. And I can personally attest to the value that they bring, you know, to our state and the people that they train. And our industries would not, you know, many of our industries would not be here without them. But let's look at it 
another way. We have a great community college system. We have great universities, but let's think about what Austin and what Nashville are doing. They are creating cool places for people to live. People want a cool place to live. When they get off work, they want a cool place to go. They want to sit outside with their friends, a loved one, their family. They want to bring them places, see nice things, listen to live music, eat great food. They want to see good signage. They want to see curb appeal. These are the things they want their families to feel safe. These are the things that they want. So if we destination build and we tell the story about all the great assets we have to offer and we build that cool place, we're going to do a much better job of being able to attract and retain that talent that many of us, unfortunately, are losing the battle on. And so while we, we don't want to necessarily be an Austin or a Nashville, we want to be us and who we are, but we have to destination build so that we are a cool place for people to want to come. Not out of a sense of obligation because that's where their parents were raised and they're a fourth generation, whatever. Not because of anything other than it is an awesome place to be Great jobs are available there and they can really enjoy a high quality of life. Back at the at the state level, we, we're going to have, as you discussed earlier, the resources now to, to compete. Given that, what are the challenges that we're going to have to overcome? What Some of the challenges that I believe we're going to have to overcome, Tim, is we are going to have to look at how we market ourselves in a whole new way. And what I mean by that is, Mississippi is the poster child for doing more with less. And now we don't need to settle. We need to really be able to create and convey the message that it's game on. We've got to step it up. We now have the resources to compete. Um, The legislature, all of our community leaders, all the way to Governor Reeves are believing in our ability to capitalize on this moment. And so We need to sit down as a group. We need to really be talking about the things that we need to be doing at the community level, at the regional level, and at the state level, and really look at this through the lens of what is the Mississippi we want to build, and how do we want to make that happen, and how can we work together sharing our diverse opinions, having a robust exchange of ideas to really try to take it to the next level, because it's not just going to be one of us. It's not just going to be three of us. It's going to be all of us bringing our best ideas to the table to try to make it happen. And so we've got to challenge ourselves to be listening. We've got to have ears on the ground and we've got to have our eyes looking up so that we're thinking about how do we capitalize on this moment to create the right campaigns and really produce the rate of return that we can. And we've got to report back on it. So in our legislation, it requires us every year to go back and present how this money was spent, all the different things that, you know, we're doing with this investment and how, you know, we're providing that rate of return back to Mississippi. So Visit Mississippi, of course, is the keeper of these funds. You know, Visit Mississippi is a part of the Mississippi Development Authority currently, and that's one of the executive agencies of the governor. So it's under Governor Reeves' direct oversight for that. And so we know that the sky's the limit on what we can do, but we have to challenge ourselves to all bring our best idea, our best game, and then in the end, not make it about me or you, but make it about us. What are some of the things that our our cities and communities 
are doing or and or should be doing from a collaboration standpoint because on on one hand our our various cities are like you said we're all in it together on another hand there's some competition there between between different different areas and different regions for some of the same same visitors so collaborate collaboratively speaking what are we and should we be doing? I think a really good example of that is the Delta. So the Delta got a really got it right a long time ago about bringing all of their tourism stakeholders to the table because they knew that if they could market the Delta internationally and really showcase what the whole region of the state had to offer, that they were going to have a lot better of a chance than to try to go at it, you know, from a single approach. And so they've done a really good job of that. You know, just for us, you know, speaking, you know, we we're a natural the hub city is a natural um, meeting place for a lot of people with all of the different. If you look at Highway 49, if you look at Interstate 59, if you look at Highway 98. So it's incumbent upon us to be working with our partners at Coastal Mississippi, of course, at Visit Jackson, of course, in Meridian at Visit Meridian, because there's things that we can naturally put together from a multi-stop standpoint, multi-day itineraries to get more people to come here. And so are we doing the best job that we can do on that now? We're not, but we recognize that and we know it and it's going to give us an opportunity to try to be able to do those things. I think the Gulf Coast did, did a good job on that too. People talk about the Gulf Coast as as like this amorphous thing that's all one entity, but it's 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 a long way from... Bay St. Louis from, to, from Ocean Bay St. Louis to Ocean Springs. And that's everyone, right. And everyone has their own unique story to tell. You know, if you're an artistic town, you know, or if you're a gaming town, you know, each one of them has their own identity. But you're right, Tim. Kudos to Coastal Mississippi for being able to pull all of those attributes together and market the region. Because what that does, and and we know from looking at the latest visitor profile results, we know that Coastal Mississippi is the most, is destination number one for where visitors are coming into the state. And they commanded 24%. Um, last year in all over overall visitor traffic. So we understand that regionalism or our state identity as a whole, if we can get people to Mississippi, we all win. And that's how we have to look at it. I think that's the bottom line. If we can get people to Mississippi, we all win. Marla, you talk about this with such passion. <laughs> what, what first lit you on fire about, you know, marketing in the state? Well, it's really interesting that you ask me that. So I am, um, I was born and raised in Louisiana, but in discovering a lot of my history, you know, we all have stories and listening to our grandparents and whatnot on a lot of things that they do. Interestingly enough, my grandmother um, on my mother's side, my maternal grandmother, she was born in the Delta. Um, She was born in 1929, the year of the Depression, and just born with very, very few resources. And ultimately, things just did not work out very well for her, um, just didn't have the means and needs that she needed. And ultimately, um, she moved to New Orleans and life goes on and she meets my grandfather, who was just coming back from uh, a trip with the Navy. And so they get married and they stay in Louisiana. He's from Louisiana. But over her lifetime, she shared so many stories with me about the beauty of the Delta, 
all the many things that she wished had she been born in different circumstances, what her life could have really been. And, you know, that just really kind of lit a fire under me, you know, and before she passed away, she found out um, and I was so happy to tell her that, you know, she left the state with nothing but the shirt on her back. And I was able to through the grace of God, come back and 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 work with Governor Bryant and write, you know, um, many things alongside a great team to to try to bring, you know, more people and more jobs to Mississippi. And so you asked that question, you might not have been expecting that answer, but it's pretty deep. That's it's good. pretty deep. <laughs> so good. I have a I have a, a passion, and it's for a reason. So thanks for asking. Sure. So, uh, and thank you for, for giving us, uh, I know you're, you're extremely busy and thank you for taking some time for us today. I want to conclude by asking you to give us one of the more interesting personal stories that you have where you've encountered visitors to this state. Maybe they were really shocked by something. Maybe it was something they said that, re- that really struck you and experience an experience that they have. Uh, I, I know you've got a story. Certainly, I've got plenty. So I'll tell you a really easy one from last week. And then I'll tell you one that, you know, we wound up writing a news story about because it was just so compelling. So I don't know about you guys, but I love being able to bring a pet somewhere. So I love, you know, so what's what's the dog friendly places? What's the cat friendly places? What are all these things? You know, so you go to Colorado, you know, you go to the West Coast, you're going to find people bringing their pets everywhere. It's like a member of their family. And so we asked our um, communications uh, director at the city of Hattiesburg, the chief communications officer, she's known for her pets and all of that. We asked her to write a blog for us on where can you go in Hattiesburg that's pet friendly? Like give us a day in the life of Milo. That's the name of her dog. Nice. And so she writes this blog and we get it posted the next day. We have a group of people traveling in from Louisiana who are going to spend the day in Hattiesburg. And they're like, where can I bring my pet? We don't bring our, you know, we love to. And so there we were immediately delivering on the promise of all the wonderful places that you could go. So Samantha McCain wrote out everything that you could do in a day with your dog. And do you know what the visitors did? They did it. They're like, awesome day made. So, you know, just the timing of all of that is incredible. So let me stay on the animal story since we're on it. So Hattiesburg is home to a great zoo. So we have a beautiful zoo and um, they're doing a wonderful job. The Hattiesburg Zoo is doing a wonderful job with expanding and growing the zoo and all the things that you have on there. So um, before I was the executive director of tourism for Visit Hattiesburg for the for the um, for the destination, I also was the director of communications for the Hattiesburg Zoo and many of the other facilities that are there in Hattiesburg. So one day we get this couple that comes to Hattiesburg from New Zealand and they had booked a sloth experience. Sloth. Sloth. Yes. Like sloth. the slow moving yes. like in the tree thing. Yes. Okay. So, so, so they booked a sloth encounter. Well, when you book those things online, we don't always know who you are, where you're coming from and whatnot until you show up. I mean, the slots open, you pay your money, you know, when you show up and you know, you get the, a sloth. the zoo delivers yeah. a great experience. So this young couple was so infatuated with Chewy the Sloth, short short for Chewbacca. So was was so infatuated with Chewy, it completely made their day. Well, in closer inspection and visiting with them on, you're from New Zealand? Wow, what made you come to Mississippi? Want to come to Mississippi? 
Well, and I can't repeat the accent, of course, because, you know, I've only had a half a cup of coffee, but y'all can, you guys can try if you want to work on that New Zealand accent. Interestingly enough, they came all the way from New Zealand to eat Mississippi barbecue, delicious soul food, fried chicken, and to hug a sloth. So just <laughs> think about that for a moment Quality sloth and time. think about all the places and things that the United States has to offer. And they came to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And I am so pleased to say that the zoo staff and all the other things that they did while they had barbecue and great soul food fried chicken in Hattiesburg, they were beyond thrilled with the trip that they made to our community. And that just tells us a story. You have to be ready. When you're in tourism, you always have to be ready to receive that guest. You know, it's easy to have, you know, a smile on your face, you know, when it's sunny outside and we're all having a good time and we're on vacation. But as tourism professionals, we always have to make sure that we're delivering on those brand promises. So that's a great story. I don't think we can end on anything stronger than a, <laughs> no. stronger than a, than a sloth experience. Everyone should be able to hug a sloth. Yeah. 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 A service sloth. Service sloth. You might be on to something there. <laughs> Side Parker, write that down. Marlo, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, you drove up from Hattiesburg just to sit in with us. You're doing amazing, amazing work. You have been for a long time. So please keep it up. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you guys keep it up too. It takes all of us working together to make it happen. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. For more information about openings in the city of Hattiesburg, go to the Visit Hattiesburg website at visithburg.org. That's visit, the letter H, B-U-R-G dot org. And for more information about openings across the state of Mississippi, go to visitmississippi.org. I'm not, I'm not kidding. This, this just happened. This literally just happened as we were walking back into the studio. Mark goes, you know, Cookie, his wife, she's got a, she's got a sloth experience story. Oh man. I mean, uh, we were in another bigger city that's far away. It's like five hours away. It's Dallas, but you can say Dallas. That's okay. Funny. I guess I can. <laughs> it's we'll outside of Mississippi. We'll, we'll bleep that out, I guess. In the, uh, but uh, we had a group, we had a group, we, we do a lot of traveling with volleyball and, and different things. And um, so my daughter and her friends, Cookie had taken, the, we all went to the zoo and uh, just, we probably spent an hour in the zoo at the sloth exhibit. And it wasn't like you got to, you know, get the sloth and hug it or anything, but you could get really close. And uh, Cookie was, you know, concerned about being in the sloth's personal space, but so mesmerized by, I mean, the way they move and I mean, it is slow. I mean, you're, it's a slow motion camera and, and, you know, just getting, you know, uh, picking up a leaf or something like that is just a slow process. I I, I think they only like come down to, to, to defecate. I think like, I think that's the only time that that we didn't see that. that (laughs) Thank God. Parker, do you have any but, sloth yeah, stories? <laughs> I don't have any personal sloth stories, no. But knowing that we can get a close by sloth encounter, you know, right there in Hattiesburg, we're going there for a volleyball tournament this weekend. We're gonna we're gonna do some slothing. Parker, do you have any uh, Hattiesburg Zoo stories? You just you, you told us that you had many a birthday party there. Many birthday parties. My brothers had many birthday parties there. My cousins, they're from Laurel, and they would come down to the zoo to have birthday parties there. Um, I have family in Alabama that two years ago came down because my little cousin wanted his birthday party at the same zoo. So I guess it's a family tradition at this point. At the time, it wasn't as cool. It was, you know, a rundown playground when I was a kid. And 
they, it's really bounced back now. Yeah. That whole downtown has been transformed in Hattiesburg and yeah, it is. And it, it does, it does like Marlo said, it's got a real young vibe to it. A lot of live music, a lot of craft beer. Well, the more things. you talk about it, I might move back. <laughs> you, have you checked your contract? You can't, you've got seven more years of indentured servitude. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's see what I can do to get out of that one. <laughs> but, uh, but Parker's never had the sloth encounter. No, I haven't. It, the, that came to the zoo after I'm left college. What about now? Are you going back? Am I to college? Go back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or back for the sloth encounter. <laughs> for the sloth encounter. Possibly. Yeah. Maybe I'll take a, a break from wedding planning and go enjoy the sloths one weekend when I'm there. A sloth wedding. They do that, actually. I have a friend that got married at the zoo and the sloths were there. Did they sit on the bride's side or the groom's side? I think they just kind of hung over them. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, wow. You don't want to give the, the, have the sloth be the ring bearer. There's, it, it turns out badly. It'll just never make it up there. <laughs> just like, yeah, Slow just motion. Like, <laughs> with this ring. Wait, wait, let's wait for the ring. That's going to do it for this episode of MWB 50 special podcast series. I'm Tim reminding you, hug a sloth. <laughs>